0: Exodus chapter 4 We're going to read from verse 1 It says Then Moses answered and said But suppose that they will not believe me Or listen to my voice Suppose they say The Lord has not appeared to you So the Lord said to him What is that in your hand? He said a rod And he said cast it on the ground So he cast it on the ground And it became a serpent And Moses fled from it Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you furthermore the lord said to him now put your hand in your bosom and he put his hand in his bosom and when he took it out behold his hand was leprous like snow and he said put your hand in your bosom again so he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom and behold it was restored like his other flesh then it shall be if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign that they may believe the message of the latter sign hallelujah can i hear your amen Amen. i want us to notice something here we know the context of the scripture i'm sure and that is that the burning bush uh, moses is encountering god at the burning bush and uh, god is speaking to him about his assignment is speaking to him about his assignment Uh, to let the people of god go now what god is saying is that there is a problem there is a problem with my people there's a problem with my people in egypt and so he raises up moses to become the solution to to become the solution to the problem and i wanted to notice something here is that before moses faces the problem God provides the solution. Let me say it again. Before Moses faces the problem, God has already provided the solution. God knows what Moses does not know, that Moses was going to face, first of all, his own people that would need a lot of persuasion about the fact that God had called Moses to deliver them. That was problem number one problem number two he was going to face a pharaoh that was not prepared to let the people go and so god in anticipation of the problem decides to give uh, moses a solution he says to moses moses what is that in your hand and so we hear the story that moses says it's a rod and god says to moses cast it down on the ground and it becomes a serpent and then he says Take your hand, put it in your bosom. And he puts it inside his bosom and then he takes it out and it's a leprous hand. It's full of leprosy. Now God says put it back in your bosom and he takes it out again and it's as good as new. So God says, now go to Pharaoh and uh, tell him to let my people go. What I'm here to say to us today, praise the Lord, is that before you face a problem, God already has the solution. Tell your neighbor for me this morning, the solution is already with you. Uh, you didn't hear what I said. You didn't hear what I said. I wanted to tell your neighbor again and tell some neighbor your solution is with you can you do it one more time to the other neighbor I know you got two on either side but maybe you got one and a half because the weather was not responding so go to another neighbor say neighbor your solution is already with you God is a good God God is a faithful God God is a gracious God God is not going to give you a final exam before he gives you the content of the term. God is not going to take you through a test before he prepares you for it. So really when you are in class, the teacher already gives you the answers of the test that is coming. That's a good teacher. Someone say a good teacher. A good teacher wants you to pass, so he already gives you the answers to the final exam before you face the exam. And God is a good God. God is not going to have you face a problem before he gives you the solution. See, many times we think that we have to look around for a solution. Most of the time we miss it because we don't realize how God works. See, God will always give the answer before the problem. So when you are in a problem, you have to think and say, where is the answer that God has already given to me? Tell your neighbor you already have the answer. Oh, I'm coming, I'm coming. There's a time when Jesus Christ is... Um, Going to feed the five thousand. This is the this account is in the Gospel of John. Matthew has an account. Mark has an account. Luke has an account. John has an account. The difference with John is that he says one thing the others do not say. John says, John, John says when Jesus tells his disciples to give the people food, I'm paraphrasing it. John says, for he knew what he would do. Okay, you haven't read that. All right, let's go look for it. Let's look for it. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. John chapter 6. Let's see. Um, verse what... Uh, Verse 6. Okay. He says, But this he said to test him, for he himself, that is Jesus, knew what he would do. (laughs) In other words, Jesus had the solution before he presented the problem. He said, I'm giving you a problem. The problem is you must feed this 5,000. And they're like, what? How, How in the world? If... We took a whole year's salary. We could never. Where are we going to buy this? Who's got the trucks? How are we going to move it? How are we going to preserve it? How's it? Who's going to cook it? Oh, and, and Jesus said, "But he knew." I want you to know that God knows what He's going to do before you even know the problem. Oh, hallelujah! God knows what He's going to do before you even find a solution. God already has the answer to whatever problem you might be facing doesn't matter what it is god already has the answer how many people know that god knows the end from the beginning how many people know you cannot surprise god how many people know that god cannot be shocked how many people know you cannot inform god you cannot give god information because god knows everything So when we pray, we're not trying to give God information. We are following a protocol because he said we must ask. Not because he does not know the problem, but because he says, this is how you approach me regarding a situation. Are you with me right now? But God knows your problem before you even ask it. And guess what? God already has a solution for your problem before you even have the problem. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, and so this is very, very important for us to know how God actually works. So no matter what it is that you might be facing today, no matter what seems to surround you, no matter what circumstances may seem impossible, God already knows what he is going to do. Remember when Lazarus died? Lazarus died, and before he dies, he gets the, Jesus gets the news that the one that you love is sick, mm-hmm. and Jesus chills. He's chilled, and they're thinking, "Oh, okay, I guess he's gonna be fine." He doesn't get fine; he dies, and Jesus still chilled. How, Jesus? <laughs> I go, be man. Hi. Now, now what is it that made Jesus relax in a situation which looks so desperate, so urgent, so important? I'll tell you simply. It's because Jesus knew what he was going to do. Before the problem came, he already had the answer. He says, Oh, Lazarus is sick. Oh, is, is asleep. And the disciples said, okay, let's go and um, let's go pay him a visit, like a hospital visit or something. Jesus said, no, you don't get it. He's dead. But let's go. Okay. Um, and we'll, we'll sort this out kind of thing. And then Martha and Mary come, you know, that story. And Jesus says to, 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 uh, to, to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. He himself knew what he was going to do that's why he did not pray when he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead have you read that Bible the Bible says he wept and he groaned within himself but he never prayed he just said father I thank you Because you hear me always. Why? Because Jesus had already dealt with the issue before he even set the journey to go and raise him from the dead. I'm here to tell you right now that the thing that you think is going to sink you is not going to sink you. The thing that you think is going to break you cannot break you. The thing that you think will end everything for you will never end it for you because before it came, God already was there and God provided a way... Ah, glory to God. God already provided a solution, a way for you to come out. That's why the Bible says he's not going to allow you anybody to be tempted above that which is able to, t- to stand. But with every temptation, he's going to give what? A way of escape. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, you're coming out of this. Whatever it is, you're coming out of it. Hallelujah. Oh, help me tell somebody as I'm feeling this thing. Tell your neighbor, other neighbor, neighbor, I said you're coming out of this. You are not staying here. You're not staying in that situation. You are coming out of that situation, whatever it is, whatever it is, however big it is. However small it is, I'm here to tell you this morning, you are coming out of it. Because before it even appeared, God already provided a solution. Come on, give God praise. Oh yes, oh yes, that's the God that we serve. Before you even sinned, God had the solution. Christ died for you. Nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing misses God. Before you were sick by his stripes, you were healed. <laughs> Glory to God. Doesn't matter what it is. God has already gone ahead of you and made the way where there is no way. So tell your neighbor right now, the solution is ready with you. Now, the reasons why we don't solve problems are two or three reasons. Any problem. One problem, the reason why, is that we don't identify the correct problem. We don't identify the correct problem. And I'm going to explain that. Number two. We look for the solution in the wrong place okay those are two main reasons I'll I'll give you another one just now we don't identify the real problem many of the things that we call problems are not root problems they are symptoms of the problem let me give you an example Just a simple one. I'm not going to get too deep on this one. Oh, I'm feeling down. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling low. All right? Is that the problem? Or is that a symptom of the problem? I'm guaranteeing you, it's a symptom of the problem. So what do we do? we find a way to feel better okay through medication or through distraction or through entertainment or through uh, wrong means others will go to alcohol other people go to drugs other people do all kinds of things to try and medicate a thing that they think is the problem but that is not the problem that is the symptom of the problem what you have to ask is why am i feeling low why do i feel this way once you start asking the question why it leads you closer to the real reason are you following what i'm saying so the number one reason why we don't solve our problems is because we don't diagnose the problem correctly And you and I know if a doctor gives a wrong diagnosis and a diagnosis means that he has tested you and decided what your problem is medically if he has found uh, not found the problem how many people know he will not find the solution okay he's gonna give you a prescription gonna give you a treatment but that treatment is not gonna solve the problem whatever the problem is even though what you presented to the doctor was the symptoms of whatever you're dealing with so it's a very very high skill obviously a medical skill to not just look at the symptoms but to be able to assess everything well enough to assess the real problem let me give you an example of this i was doing a little bit of research about headaches for example Uh, In particular, migraine headaches. And as I was Googling and looking at some videos about uh, migraine headaches, I got some very interesting information about what what was one of the reasons why people get migraine headaches or migraine headaches. And uh, it was about the, uh, the the nervous system, the central nervous system. Uh, there's the uh, sympathetic nervous system and there's the central nervous system that's your brain all the way down through your spinal cord that's your central nervous system and then from there are the nerves that come from your spinal cord to every single part of your body now what he discover is that at every point of the vertebrae which are the bones in your body in your in your spine A specific nerve comes from that joint between the bones and goes to specific areas in your body. So, if a person has a headache, a certain kind of headache, not every headache, but I'm talking about a specific immigrant headache, many times it is not the headache that's the problem. It could be a pinched nerve on the second or third vertebrae where there's been a, 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 a compromise of the, the vertebrae, so putting pressure on the nerve. And the nerve is one long cell that can go throughout your body. And, but because of that pressure here, it is felt not here, it is felt here. So you go and get anodine, you get panados, you go to the doctor and they give you all kinds of painkillers. And you can't sleep so they give you sleep medication. And you feel nauseous so they give you nausea medication but the migraine will not go away until you properly diagnose your specific problem to say I've got a pinched nerve here and when I really test it you find when you put pressure on that part and down this way there's a certain sensitivity going up your neck and then you feel the full brunt of the pain on one side of your head and it's like someone splitting your head in two now that is when you find the correct problem, then you go to not a medical practitioner, you go to a chiropractor because the chiropractor is a doctor of bones. And the chiropractor will put you on the table and will know how to sort out the, the issue of the pressure on the, vert, on the vertebrae between the neck bones that is putting pressure on the nerve that is going to your head. And after 20 minutes with a chiropractor, you can come out good as new and have sort out because there may be something dislocated out of joint and then they know how to crack the bones into place and the next thing's like, hey, it's gone. It's a miracle. Well, yes, I mean, in the sense that uh, that's how it feels. But what it was was that you found the correct problem. And once you found the correct problem, you can correct the. I hear you saying you can get the correct solution. One of the main reasons why we don't find solutions in life is because we don't find the correct problem. We don't ask the right questions in order to solve the problem. Uh, are you hearing what I'm saying? Now you can. You, I think I've made my point over there. But where am I going with this? This is where I'm going with this. We have said, I I believe that we have not diagnosed man's real problem. I want to say something now that's going to sound a little bit radical. I believe the reason why we don't find solutions the way we ought to as Christians is because fundamentally we have not answered the right problem. The right problem you say well what is the right problem what's man's problem and this is what i've always believed and it's not untrue but i want to say more about it and what we have said or what i've said is that man's basic problem is sin now that becomes a foundational statement an apostolic foundation upon which to build And so we build our theology on that premise that man's fundamental problem is sin. Is that untrue? No. It's not untrue. That's a major problem we have is sin. And so then we build the whole theology around the reason that the reason why uh, Jesus came was so that he could die for our sins. Okay. Right. Is that true? Yes. He died for our sins. Sins for sure but why is it that we still seem to have the same kind of problems that unbelievers are you ready for this Are uh, you not ready maybe I should preach this somewhere else <laughs> why is it that Christians are facing the same problems that unbelievers are facing and the Christians are not solving them and unbelievers are not solving them. Are, are, are you following my question? In other words, the symptoms are still there. Sin is still there. Sickness is still there. Lack is still there. Depression is still there. Everything is still there in the Christian. And yet we say we have the answer. You see the problem. Can I suggest to you that we have misdiagnosed the problem? Can I suggest to you that the answers we have are correct, but they don't get to the root? Can I suggest to you what the root problem of man is? The root problem that man has (laughs) is a life problem. Hold on. A life problem. Let's look at a scripture here. John. Now, I hope you're all praying for me. Because this is going to really help you. Let's see. Let's look at John chapter 3. Okay. Verse 15 and 16. A scripture we all should know. All right let's see why jesus says and why john says or the bible says jesus came he says that whosoever believes in him should not sin but have a holy life is that untrue it's true but is that what it's saying no what is it saying that whoever believes in him should not what but have what eternal Eternal life wait a minute so we have a life problem John chapter 3 verse 16 we can say it by heart for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoso believeth on him should be healed whoso believeth on him should should not be poor Whoever believes on him should make would definitely have a happy marriage. Whoever believes on him will be successful. <laughs> Those things are not untrue. But that's not what the Bible is saying. It is saying he that believes on him should not perish or die, but have what? Everlasting It's amazing how you can read the Bible. We read the Bible and don't see what the Bible says. There's a life problem here. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So, the problem of man, the root problem, is not the symptoms the headache the toothache the back ache the money ache the emotional ache the marriage ache the academic ache are you following what I'm saying those are not root problems those are symptoms and jesus came to deal with the root problem and the root problem was that the soul that sinneth it shall die so now man had a life issue because he had a sin issue and the sin issue became the minor issue and the major issue became the life issue because now that meant that every human being that came into the world was born dead as far as god is concerned they are still born As far as man is concerned, they are alive. And so Jesus says, I'm coming to fix the real problem. Your problem is that you don't come to church enough. That's not your real problem. Your real problem is not that you don't give enough. Your real problem is not that you don't pray enough. I'm talking to some folk here that don't know the real problem. Your real problem is not that you're not good enough or you're not nice enough. Your real problem is, do you have life? Because I don't care what you do to a corpse, including the fake ones. (laughs) You can never solve the problem that a corpse has. Let's say the person died of TB. You cannot solve the TB and the person's dead. Too late. You must solve the life problem. Then you can address other problems. Beloved, the problem we have in the church and the problem we have in in the body of Christ in the world is a life problem. The world... Is dead there are only two types of people in the world the spiritual alive and the dead alive there's only two I don't care if if they're Muslim Hindu or believe in ancestors it doesn't matter there's only two types of people and the ones who are dead alive are just simply descendants of Adam And they do not have this thing called Everlasting life What is this everlasting life? Well the Bible tells us Eternal life is the God kind of life The God life The God life The life that God has Wow That's heavy that's the life that's flowing Coursing through God Right now That makes God, God Is this life This uncreated life and That is not generated By any external thing But by God himself He is the source of life He is the self-generating life That is the difference a believer is a person who has solved the fundamental problem and the fundamental problem is life you know you can and that's what we do what people do it you know they put makeup on corpses yeah they do that's what they do in the mortuary and you know funeral homes, they put makeup on them, they hairdress them, they do their nails, and you know, all of that, put powder on them, all of that. That, that, that does not make them alive. It just makes them pretty corpses. A lot of people think that Jesus is makeup. If I put, put, a, put a little bit of Jesus on me, Just a little bit of Jesus. And go to church. And read my Bible once in a while. And maybe even serve. In the house of God. Hey, we can go further. We can actually go into the ministry. And preach. Yes. Let me tell you. It doesn't matter how much makeup you put on that corpse, eventually it will stink. The real problem will eventually come out that this thing is dead. There's no preaching that will bring any change to a corpse. No, te- how do you teach a corpse? Now, corpse, I'm telling you, in the name of the Lord, you must be holy, for God is holy. I don't care how many sermons you preach, your a corpse, a corpse is going to stink. This is the problem we have in the church. Half of the time we're preaching to the dead. That's a big ouch. Doesn't have to apply to you. We're preaching to the dead. They have no ears. They cannot hear. Until they come to life. When you are alive, you have ears. When you're alive, you have eyes. When you're alive, you can respond. When you're alive, you can change things. The, the word is for the living. The gospel is for the dead. He says that we should not perish or die, but have everlasting life. I'm talking about the real problem here and I'm going, I'm going somewhere. Hallelujah. I'm going somewhere because uh, 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 this thing is so real. Look at John 1 verse 4. We'll give you some scriptures about Jesus Christ. And in the beginning was the word and so forth. And it says, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was life. So a life. In Christ is Life, that's our starting point, life. That's where we begin. He in Christ is so alive, the God kind of life. It is the God kind of life that enables us by his grace to live a life you cannot live. Imagine now the corpses were able to talk to each other. I know it's a bit of car, but just for a second. And then they see someone playing tennis. And they're in their coffins like How do you do that? How, how, how do you do that? And this person's playing tennis. Man, I wish I could do that. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? You, there's only one thing that has to happen, and this is what believe. This is what happens in the church. You've got those people in church who are watching others play tennis, bah! living the abundant life, bah! Bah! and they're living a victorious life peaceful life, joyful life, all the victorious life. And I'm saying without challenges. No! There are challenges. And then you've got those in graves. How do you do that? How do you praise the Lord like that? How how do you dance? We can't teach you to dance. How how do you clap? We can't teach you. You've got to be alive. (laughs) You know, hey, watch this. The disciples don't say, Lord, teach us how to pray. No, that wasn't the question. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. In other words, we didn't really know how to, but we don't do it. And Jesus gives them a partial answer giving uh, the Lord's prayer knowing very well that the Holy Spirit will have... First they must be born again and the Holy Spirit will come then they will really pray. He says, now when you pray say, in other words, it's coming. You haven't started praying. Because at that time they were not born again. They were under the, under the Old Testament. You can't tell a person you can't teach a person For 20 years, how to pray. Aibo. Abe. Something's wrong with that picture. It's not a prayer issue. It's a life issue. It's a relationship with God issue. Because sooner or later, if you haven't prayed and you have this relationship and you have this life, you cannot be comfortable anymore. You will find yourself praying in the shower, in the car, on the way to work. You'll find yourself stopping somewhere, something to say, Father, I just need to talk to you right now. But if there's no life, nobody can teach you to pray. We have a life issue. Why do we have to keep on teaching the same things Over and over and over To people who know It's not that they don't know The question is What is the life level What is the life level Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not trying to, to get hot and heavy on anybody. But I want this thing to register. Because I don't want anybody who hears this word or sits under this ministry to sit in this house and be dead and not know they're dead. And serve in this church dead. Are you following what I'm saying? Because that's the problem with the church. That's why they call people hypocrites and all this stuff. And I know most of it it is not justified. But most of it is in the sense that there are people who put put a Christian label on them. But when you look at their life, you don't see this God kind of life. You don't see it. You see the worldly life. You see the natural life. You see the the suke life. Which is a soulish life. Okay? Now, I want, I want, I, my time is running out. I'm going to have to try and and, and, and and get this thing to a conclusion in a way that will really help somebody today. Jesus came that we might have life. John 4, verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I will give him, shall never thirst but the water that i shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life life jesus came so we might have a different life a life we did not have a life that comes from god hallelujah a life that the world cannot understand a life that will teach you to love when it's impossible. A life that will help you forgive when you cannot forgive. A life that will help you overcome temptations you cannot overcome by yourself. A life that will help you to be generous when you are stingy. A life that will help you and in, 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 in work in every area of your life. Life, someone say life. Shout life. It's life that we need. Not programs. Life. If we don't start at the point of life, then we end up chasing, I'll tell we end up trying to solve the wrong problem. Whereas Jesus says, I laid the axe at the root of the tree. What we need is The life of God. Mm. All right. John 5 verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you. This is King James. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Jesus came to solve a life issue. A life issue. We need to check ourselves do I have eternal life I can't answer it for you you have to answer it for yourself do I have eternal life the Bible says he that has the son has this witness so there's a witness there's a testimony There's a knowing on the inside of a real believer that I do have this life. It may not always show up everywhere, but I do have this life. I can see and I've seen this life working in my life. That is the testimony of a believer that I have abundant God's kind of life. I pray that every one of us will have this life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, there's something about this life. Jesus says in John 6 to 48, I could go on, I am the bread of life. See, just, just, I've got like 25, 30, 40 scriptures just talking about this. And you realize that wherever Jesus talks about sin once, you talk about life 20 times. Because once you solve the life problem, then you have already solved the sin problem. Because this life is not our life, beloved. It's the life that was in Jesus. That's in Jesus. Nobody can live this life. It comes from Jesus. Hallelujah. It's what made him who he was and who he is. In him was life and the life was the light of man. He says, I want to give you who and what I am. I want to live in you. And then when we receive this life, we say Christ is in me. This life is not just an abstract thing. It's a person. It's a person. It's Christ. It was up to me. Oh Lord, have mercy. Oh no, I'm a sinner undone. Paul himself says I'm a chief of sinners. And if you've lived long enough you will know that in your flesh dwells no good thing, that if it wasn't for Jesus and his life. You could be like anybody else in prison, on the street, on drugs, whatever. You are just the same as anybody. Is by grace we have been saved through faith. And that not of ourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Why? When I received Jesus, I received life. Came from death to life. Hallelujah. Jesus became real to me. The word came alive to me. Praising God is not a burden anymore. Prayer is not a cross anymore. Church is not a burden that I have to ask myself, Do I really need to go? I'm tired. Well, there's many times to rest. Why rest on Sunday morning? Well, I don't have any other time to rest. Oh, really? That's why you spend three hours a day on Facebook. No, it's not about, I don't have time to rest. It's a life issue. Because he abhorrent. To the one who's dead. And unfortunately, we've got Christians on life support. Yes. Basalwana on life support in ICU. That's why we have to pump you up with with drips through praise and worship. Make you dance and shout. That's why we have to shout and preach to wake you up, give you another injection of adrenaline, pump you up and... Oh, I'm in church. I'm in church. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. What's going on? What's going on? And after church back again on a coma until someone else shocks you up, wakes you oh, no, the devil is a liar, no more of that in Jesus name, That shall not be your portion in the name of Jesus David says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving, I don't need no music, I don't need no worship team I don't need no organ, I don't need no drums, I don't need no opening prayer to praise God I can do it all by myself But when we come together, we corporately express our relationship. We corporately rejoice and celebrate the life that we have found in this well that never runs dry. Hallelujah. He says if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. There are things you will never want again. There are things you'll never do again. Not because anyone said you must stop. It's because this life will teach you. It will satisfy you. You will not need to go where you used to go to satisfy something that you cannot explain. Because now you have eternal life. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God! I want us I to close with one scripture because this is going to bless you. Find it for me, please. It's not in my notes. That Adam was a living soul, but it's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I think, verse 35 to verse 39. The first Adam was a living soul and the last Adam was a quickening spirit or life-giving spirit. This will bless you. No, that's not it. The first Adam. There it is. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. Let me stop there and explain that. Now this, I always used to think that the first Adam and second Adam, that is the one in the garden and Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ just came to replace the first Adam. And they were actually the same. And the answer is no, they were not the same. Because here the answer is there. Alright, it's on the screen. It says that the difference was that the first Adam was made a living soul. Now the word soul is the word suke. You have a spirit, soul, and body. Numa, suke, soma. Okay, so the first Adam had two things. He had a soul and he had a body. He had a relationship with God. And we, and, and, and it's, a, it's a bit mysterious here because the question then becomes, did he ever have eternal life? And the answer, according to this, is no. He had a relationship with, with God. Obviously, he could relate to God somehow. But he was not a triune being. He was a dual being. Now, the soul is where our mind, our will, our emotions are. Okay? Mind, will, emotions, personality, all of that. Okay? That's what makes a human being. A human being is a soul in a body. But watch this. Adam... This is what I, what I what what this is what I believe. The, let me just finish the scripture, now. I'll explain what I'm saying. The last Adam, which is Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. So that means that Jesus Christ did not just come with a body which we know he had physical body that's how he was crucified and died we know he had a soul he's a person a personality mind will emotions all of that was there but he had more than that he had a spirit but this spirit the word quickening there if you explain it it means a life giving spirit oh that's good oh that's good in other words, Jesus had everlasting life. Okay? Adam did not have everlasting life. He had biological life, and he obviously lived a long time. And uh, what it seems is that he had a. Li- okay, let me, let me try and not mess- get too deep on this because it's a theological knot that will need to be untangled at another time. Here's what I want to go to human beings, human beings are living souls they have no they have a spirit but it's dead has no life why because of sin so you're born in that condition all right so but Jesus comes as a quickening a life-giving spirit so when you receive Jesus (laughs) you receive life we got that right you receive what because it is eternal life but the things that once he is in you and the life of god is in you this life is not just a life that exists this is a life that gives life don't miss this please don't miss this okay he became a life-giving spirit restoring the dead to life go to the next verse verse 46. But it is not the spiritual life which came first, which was Adam, but the physical, then the spiritual. Go on. The first man was out, was from out of the earth, made of dust, earthly minded. The second man is the Lord from out of heaven. Continue to verse 49. Now those who are made of the dust which is human beings are like him who was first made of the dust earthly minded as is the man from heaven now so also are those who are of heaven heavenly minded so talking about the difference now these ones are soulish they think of carnal natural things only you have to force them to think about spiritual things these ones have a natural capacity to think of spiritual things. They are working and living in this earthly environment, functioning effectively here, but they don't function from here. Next scripture. And just as we have born, this is where I want to go, just as we have born the image of the man of dust, which was the natural Adam, so shall we also, we and and so shall we, and so let us, Ah, oh, that's good. Amplified. So shall we, future, so let us now also bear the image of the man of heaven. Ah, oh, that's deep stuff right there. But let me break it down for you. Okay. What he's saying is that natural man is like Adam, period. They're soulish. They're, they're dual. They've only got a soul and a body. The spirit is as good as dead. You don't count it. Because it's like a stillborn okay to god but once you are in christ not only do you have eternal life but this life in you as you bear the image of the heavenly man is a life that it has the power to create life and to bring things to life Woo! that's why jesus says to the disciples feed that multitude because he already knew that the solution was in them but they were not ready for the solution so he had to demonstrate the solution to them because the Holy Ghost hadn't come and so Jesus knew what he would do why? because Jesus is not just a spirit he's not just full of the life of God this is a life giving spirit so he could take three, five loaves of, of bread and two fishes. And because he is a life-giving spirit, he could multiply. Oh, hallelujah. He could multiply these five loaves and two fishes and put through the life of God, multiply them so 5,000 people can be fed through the life of God. That's why the woman of the issue of blood was able to touch the hem of his garment and be healed. Jesus didn't pray. He did not pray. Wasn't even aware she was there. But Jesus sensed that virtue had come out of him. What? Zoe life. He felt his level. There was a deduction. He was on three quarters of a tank. It was still the morning. He had prayed all night, filled up his tank of Zoe. But now this woman, as he's going to raise someone from the dead, takes a withdrawal. He's like, whoa, how did I drop from full tank to three quarters of a tank? Who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? And the woman owns up and he says, okay, you're healed, whatever. And, 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 and why? Because he was carrying this life. glory to God so even if you just touched him but you touched him within the right way this life was a life giving spirit hallelujah and the bible says she was made well that instant because she who was dying for 18 years touched life that gave oh hallelujah glory to God that's why he was able to raise the dead. That's why he's able to heal the lepers. That's why he says, uh, the works that I do, you shall do also. Why? Because the life that I have, you will have uh, that this is not a life to get you by. This is not a life just to make it another day. This is not the kind of life to survive. This is the life that overcomes. This is the life that is victorious. This is a life that will come to a dead situation. This is a life that will bring dead things to... Oh! Have you realized why now God surrounds you with dead things? That's the problem. You have the solution. I said, tell your neighbor, you have the solution. I don't care if it's a dead financial situation, a dead relationship situation, a dead job situation, a dead physical situation. I don't care what kind of dead it is. The life of God, which is a life-giving spirit, is on the inside of you. And before you faced it, God knew you could handle it. Tell your neighbor, I can do this through Christ. That's why the Bible says, I can do what? What? all things through through the life of God that strengthens me I can handle it. I can pass the test. I can sit for the finals. Hallelujah. I can go through the fire because this life won't let me die. They try to kill this life. They try to beat this life. They try to crucify this life. They try to spit on this life. They try to lock it up in a grave. Roll a stone over it. For 3 days it was in the grave. But because this is the life of God on the third day. This life said, okay, are you done now? It's my turn now. Hey, I'm not just coming out of this grave, but I am taking some people out with me. And the Bible says when Jesus rose, people were seen coming out of the graves in the city of Jerusalem because this was not just life. This was the life that creates life. This is the life that raises life. And not only that, he says, that's just a taste that's just a prophecy the bible says uh, when he died we died with him and when he rose uh, we rose again with him he said guess what i am coming out of this grave with everybody that will believe on me i am giving them life eternal resurrected life hallelujah glory to god give god praise right now hallelujah glory to god hallelujah the life of god is inside of you that's why you have the test that's why you have the problem because god knows you can ace this someone tell telling them I'm acing this I didn't know I had the answer I didn't know that before the problem came I had the solution I didn't know that God had already given me a heads up and he put it on the inside of me so wherever I go I have the answer that's why Jesus said to his disciples let us cross over to the other side oh I love this one and then the Bible says a great windstorm a a great one someone say a great one anybody face a great one I mean that one that tsunami one that one like uh, the one in Mozambique we are praying about the one that is about to wipe you out The one that wants to destroy everything you've built the one that wants to destroy your reputation the one that wants to destroy your family the one that wants to destroy the Bible says the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy I'm talking about that one I'm talking about the one that the devil says hard this one you're not coming out of this one you'll never be the same again when I'm done with you you are never gonna rise again The devil is a liar I'm here to tell the devil today that you have an answer on the inside of you a great windstorm arose and the Bible says water was filling the boat and they were about to sink and go down to the bottom of Galilee and the disciples said to the Savior master wake up master carest thou not that we perish and the Bible says the life of God rose up in the midst of the boat hallelujah I said the life of God I said so a life I said the life giving life rose up in the boat and spoke to the wind and to the waves and said peace be still hey I'm trying to sleep and the Bible says because this was the last Adam because this was the Adam that gives life the wind and the waves began to shake and tremble and they began to bow down and the Bible says there was a great calm upon the sea of Galilee why because life had spoken I'm talking about Jesus somebody that life is in you that's why you're facing the storm that's why the storm won't stop that's what you have to do is to stir up that life on the inside of you stop looking for solutions on the social media, stop looking for answers from the flesh and start recognizing that the life of God is in you. Speak a word, it shall be established. Speak to the mountain, it shall move. Speak to the mulberry tree, it shall plant itself wherever you say. Because the word of life is in your mouth. Shout yes, somebody. Yes. Come on, give God some praise right there. Stand everybody to your feet.